Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Good to see everybody here this morning. Glad that you are worshiping with us at Mission City Church. A great group today, man. This is exciting. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. We're going to be in several different passages of Scripture this morning, but you might want to go ahead and start looking for Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible. Also, as Chuck mentioned earlier, one of the things that you've been asking for are some note sheets. A lot of you take notes, you're like, you talk too fast, or the Scripture's not up there long enough. And so we're going to start having note sheets available at the beginning of every service. When you just walk in, you can grab one of those uh, and follow along with this and write in whatever you want uh, that floats your boat. But uh, we want to offer that to you. You as well. Um, when I was growing up, I used to watch a television show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Anybody remember that? With Robin Leach, right? Because if something's going to be fancy, they need to have a British accent. Makes it sound better. And he would go around, he had his, you know, cocktail sport coat on, and he was always drinking champagne and eating caviar. And they'd go around to these gaudy, audacious mansions and jets and all this kind of stuff. And the whole show was just built around, hey, all you normal people, look at what all these other people have that you could have or you wished that you had. And like literally we would watch the show and that's all it was. Like, look at my mansion, look at my jet. I'm eating caviar. We were just like, oh, that's so cool. Or if you're not old enough to remember that, maybe Cribs, remember Cribs? Or, or HGTV, it's like every other show, you know. I'm a millionaire, let me redecorate your house, all that kind of, we watch these things because it's, it's like, this is, this is what we want, this is what we desire, maybe this is what we, we wish that we had, all of these blessings that these rich and famous people had. It, it, it's like kind of the American dream. And the way the world kind of puts it and the way the world uh, describes what we should pursue is material abundance and accumulation equals blessing. Like the more that you have, you're blessed. The more that you have, the better. Matter of fact, one of the best businesses to be in is storage units. We have the biggest houses that we've ever had. You would think there'd be plenty of space to store all our crud. But no, I need to go rent an extra garage. And some of you, let's be honest, come on, we're at church. You have two or three. Like, it's not just one. It's like I have three storage units for all of my stuff. Because again, material abundance and accumulation equals blessing. It's this world is mine mentality. But the Bible has a different equation, a different way of looking at blessing. The Bible says spiritual abundance and giving equals blessing. The world is not mine. The world is God's. Everything is his, including my stuff. So I believe this morning that, that God wants to show us something, that he wants to show us some amazing truths from his work that will actually bring to us blessings and joy in a way that maybe you've never, ever experienced. So what I wanna to talk to you this morning about is the idea, the concept of giving. Someone said that want is a beast that can only be tamed by giving. Now, giving is a topic that many preachers shy away from at church. They don't wanna talk about it because they know that people don't wanna hear about it. Matter of fact, as a communicator, I can just tell you that there's sometimes when I'm speaking about things and literally I can almost feel you moving in and then sometimes, like when I mentioned givens, I, I can actually see you move back, right? 
Because it's like, oh, you know, what, what's about to happen? So a lot of preachers don't talk about giving because they think people don't want to hear about giving or because there's been some TV preachers and evangelists and prosperity gospel people that have misused the concept of giving and made it almost taboo for people within the church. And, and so what I want us to see is, is two things, and this is why it's important for us to talk about giving. Number one, giving's a big biblical principle that, that's meant for God's children. Like this is something we're supposed to learn. If, if I'm gonna be faithful to engaging people where they're of the gospel, leading into lives of transformation, that means I need to talk about every area of spiritual disciplines and obedience that God calls us to. So this is meant for his children, but two, when we shy away from this discussion, what do we do? We actually cause many in our churches to miss out on the promised blessing that God gives us when we talk about giving, when we actually participate in giving. Now, I think it's important as we talk about blessing because what we're gonna see is there's a promise attached to giving that is blessing. And again, that's been misused in many places. And so let's talk about what blessing is. First, let's start by defining blessing. This is what Mr. Webster says blessing is. It's someone who's highly favored or fortunate. It's not a bad definition. There's about five or six words in the Old and New Testament, both Hebrew and Greek, that talk about blessing, that mean blessing. And so if you kind of take all of those six words, basically what you come up with is blessed in the Bible is a condition of happiness, peace, prosperity, and fulfillment. So when we talk about blessings, the blessed man may or may not be wealthy by the world standards. It doesn't mean that if you have stuff that you're blessed. But the blessed man biblically enjoys a quality of life that a billionaire would envy. That's what we're talking about in blessings. So all blessings aren't financial or material. You can have a lot by the world's standards and be miserable. You probably know people, you, you look at them from the world's standards, they have everything, the nice house, the nice cars, plenty of money in their bank account, they go on nice vacations, they're like the Instagram family, but you know that they're miserable because stuff doesn't equate to blessings. Blessing is something completely different. So today, what I want us to look at is what I'm calling the principle of the first. There's principles that we see throughout God's word that are consistent, that kind of help us understand what it means to be generous, what it means to give. And, and, and so when you think about the Bible, just kind of talking about money and finances and our resources, over 500 times in the Bible, it mentions prayer. Pretty significant, prayer's important. Over 500 times in the Bible, it talks about faith. We're called to have faith over 2,000 times in scripture. We see the subject of money or possessions. Jesus talked about money and possessions in 16 of his 38 parables. And so what we see when we look at that is from God's perspective, money, our resources is important and we need to understand how to handle it. So, so what we see when we think about our resources that money, our stuff, is in essence a test from God. Did you know that every time you get paid, you're taking a test? Now, if you're like me, that wasn't a, a very good moment growing up when the teacher would say, take out your pencils. And I would say, for what? And she would say, for the test. And I would say, for what test, right? Wasn't a great student. 
but it's a test. The test is who's really God in your life? Are you God? Are, are your resources your resources to do what you want to with them? Or is God God and it's all his and you trust him with your finances and your resources? And what we're going to see consistently from the beginning to the end of the Bible is God wants to be first in your life. So the first principle I want us to look at is what's called the, first, the principle of the firstborn. We see this in Exodus chapter 13. If you're in Exodus, look at it with me. Chapter 13, verse 2. It says, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So we see 16 times in the Old Testament that the firstborn, God says, is mine. It belongs to him, 16 different times. Another example is in Exodus chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. He says, you're to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And so we see this principle from the very beginning that the first is God's. Now they're talking about lambs and you're like, well, I don't have any lambs, so I'm good. Well, that, that, was, that was how they would, would do commerce, right? They would trade animals or livestock or, or, or their crops or something like this. And he's saying, hey, the first is God's. And what we see throughout in the Old Testament, the firstborn either had to be sacrificed or redeemed. So if you had a firstborn little lamb, you would sacrifice it. If you had a firstborn donkey, you had to redeem that donkey because that was a, an animal that was considered unclean. The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. Now, interesting, fast forward to the New Testament. Remember when John the Baptist sees Jesus for the first time, what does he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now think about this. Jesus was God's what? His son, but what was he? His firstborn son. And Jesus was born clean. He was the pure, spotless lamb. All of us are born with a sin nature. We're born unclean. So therefore, Jesus, what, was sacrificed to redeem us. Jesus was, in essence, a, a firstborn offering. So we see this, this principle. The firstborn shows us an example of the fact that the first belongs to God. Now, here's what's interesting. If you had a, 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 little, a little lamb, let's say that you raise livestock, and you have this firstborn lamb born to your flock, that firstborn lamb is whose? God's. Now, my lamb, my you has a little firstborn lamb, that's God's. Is there any guarantee how many more lambs that you may produce? It doesn't say, give to me the first lamb and then you're gonna have nine more. Or it doesn't say, make sure your lamb has 10 little ewes first and then you can give one to the Lord. It's a step of faith. Because he's saying the first is mine. There's no guarantee that there's two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. He just says the first is mine and you're gonna have to trust me. You're gonna have to have faith. Give me the first one. It always takes faith to give first. That's why so few Christians 
experience the blessing of giving or, or tithing because it means giving God what is his before we see if we even have enough. By tithing, it's as if we're saying to God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life. I am trusting you that you're gonna be true to your word, that you're gonna take care of my needs, that you're gonna provide all the things that I need. So there's the, the principle of the firstborn, then there's the principle of first fruits. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19 says, bring the first of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. And so this principle takes it a step further, right? It says the first of your first fruits, that's what God wants. Not just your first fruits, the first of your first fruits. Not just a portion of all that you've taken in, but the very first. And he says that we bring it to the house of the Lord, that that's where we bring our first fruits. It doesn't say that you bring your first fruits and you support uh, this television ministry, or you bring your first fruits and you support uh, this missionary or this homeless shelter or any of these ministries. They're all near and dear to God's heart. I encourage us all to support those ministries. But when it comes to the first fruits offering, he says you're to bring it in to the storehouse. He says specifically into the house of the Lord. Then he goes on and he says in Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. So what do we see there? Again, it's this promise of blessing. That, that God is not saying, hey, I wanna take from you. That God is actually saying, I, I wanna give to you. I want to bless you. That, that your vats will be overflowing. Now, again, this does not say that you're going to be rich. It doesn't say that if you begin to, to give to God and give him first and the tithe, that, that you're gonna be rich. I've talked to people that believe that. They're like, well, I tithe so that God will, will bless me with more. Well, he says he'll bless you. He doesn't say he's gonna give you more. He says that you're going to be blessed. To be blessed could be spiritually. To be blessed could be in fellowship, friendships, in faith, in family. God says that I'm gonna meet all of your needs when you put him first. And even he might bless some of you financially that he can trust with further financial blessings. I know some people, God's blessed them financially. They have the gift of generosity and they just give. And like, you can't outgive God. God gives them more and they just give more. God knows that I couldn't be a billionaire. Like he knows everything and he knows Matt could not be a billionaire. He can't handle it. Right, I, for those 10 or 15 minutes, you know, when the, the lottery's like a billion dollars, I'll spend like 10 or 15 minutes just thinking about, what if I won a billion dollars? What would I do with that money? And you know, I'm first 10%'s God's, and then I'm buying a jet, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. And God's like, you can't handle it. Like I've given you all the blessing that you can handle. Some of you can handle more. I hope God does bless you that way. But when he says that, that when we give, when we put him first, that you will be blessed, he's not necessarily talking about financial blessing. I've known a lot of people that have a lot of stuff and they're miserable and they struggle constantly. Financially, he's talking about we, we give to him and that he's going to bless us in different ways other than just finances, sometimes finances, but in other ways. So keep going with that thought. What happens if we don't give? If we don't put our focus on God, if we don't put him first in our finances? Uh, there's a story uh, in Joshua, if you remember Joshua in the Old Testament, 
Uh, Joshua was, was called to lead God's people into the promised land. And, and if you remember, they went into the promised land. The very first city that they conquered was what city? Do you remember? Jericho, right? They blew the trumpets and marched around. The walls came down pretty miraculous. And God said, listen, everything in Jericho, all the gold, all the silver, all the plunder, everything is mine. Why? Which city was it? It's the first city. So they did. Joshua told all the people, hey, everything in the city, all the plunder, it's all God's. Don't take any of it for yourself. And then they go to the second city, and God just did something miraculous, right? In Jericho, the walls came down. So they're like, here we go, second city. We're going to conquer. They get their tails whipped. And Joshua's like, God, what? What in the world? Like, you told us that this was our land, that you were going to give it to us. We went into Jericho. You did miraculous things in Jericho. We did exactly as you said. And we come to the second city and we got our tails whipped. What's the deal? And God said, remember what I told you? Yeah. Someone has taken some of the spoils for themselves. If you remember the story, a guy named Achan looked around. He saw the gold, all the silver, all the spoils of everything. He's like, nobody's going to miss just a little bit. And he kept some for himself. Literally, that one person out of the hundreds of thousands that took a little bit of the spoils for themselves, God took his hand of blessing off the children of Israel until they repented, until they followed the guidelines that God had given them. See, when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to our resources, everything is either consecrated or, this is the Bible's word, cursed. The tithe is consecrated for the Lord, for his house. But if we take it for ourselves, it's the opposite of blessing. Because the Bible says that it's actually stolen. So you might have a lot of stuff, but in other ways, you're not blessed. In many ways, you're cursed. You're struggling. You have a lot of stuff, but yet you're always anxious. You're always stressed out. You're always frustrated with finances. Because you haven't trusted God, you haven't put him first. And that's what we see, the principle of the tithe. The tithe comes from the Hebrew word that means tenth. And I think a lot of times if you grow up around church, you hear that word enough that you think you know the meaning, but you really don't. Our tithe is not just giving God something. Our tithe is a tenth, that we're giving God a tenth of what we have. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11 starts off in verse six. He says, I'm the Lord your God. I do not change, right? God is consistent from beginning to end. Look in verse eight. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. Now, a couple of things that are interesting is you you look at this passage. Number one, you're like, I don't want to rob God. Like of all the people in the world, like I'm not robbing God. That's not too smart. And then what does he say? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is, is the church, right? And then what does he say? Test me in this. Now, that's huge. That's the only place in Scripture where God says, hey, listen, test me in this. See if I won't prove faithful. You put me first. You move in my direction, and I'll move in yours. 
It's an interesting, interesting passage. He says that we, we bring this tithe, this tenth, this first tenth to my house. Now, you might ask the question, why does the tithe go to the church? Maybe in your mind you've been like, well, tithe is just what I give and I give to all kinds of stuff. I'm a very generous person. Why does it say that the tithe goes to the church? Well, number one, the church is God's plan for accomplishing his purposes on the earth. The church is his bride. God created the church to fulfill his mission. And so we bring our tithe into the church so that the church can do what the church has been called to do, accomplish God's plan, his mission on the earth. Secondly, it's an open-handed gesture of obedience. When I bring my tithe to to the storehouse, to the church, I don't control it. It's given freely. Now, let's talk about all the other things that you may support, again, because you're a very generous person. You have your checkbook out and you say, I like this. I'm going to write a check of my money to support this. This is where I want my money to go. So you support this. And I look over here, I like this. I'm gonna write a check. I'm gonna control my money and decide where my money goes. When we bring our tithe to the storehouse, it's not us going, okay, so I wanna write a check for the air conditioning or for the kids' ministry. We're controlling it, right? When we bring our tithe to the storehouse, what do we do? Open-handed. God, I'm giving it to you. You do with it what you want to do with it because it's not mine. I'm not giving God something. I'm bringing back to God something that's already his. It's given freely. That's why the tithe, we, we bring the tithe. Offerings, other things, all those ministries that I encourage you to support, write your check, pick out the one you want, do all of those things. Well, but when it comes to the tithe, we come in, including me. Hey, I don't get to control where this goes. This is just God's. So we bring the tithe to the church. It's part of obedience. It's an open-handed gesture. And God says what? He's going to bless us when we give, when we put him first, that God's hand of blessing will be upon our finances. When we withhold our gifts from him, the exact opposite is true. You might make $500,000 a year, but you're always struggling financially. Never seem to have enough constantly stressed about money, anxious about money. Go, go back to the principle of the firstborn, right? The firstborn is given, and what does it do? It, it's a sacrifice, and it redeems the rest. So when we bring to God our tithe, when we put him first and say, God, this is yours, it's amazing how that 10% redeems the other 90. All of a sudden, my heart and mind begin to align with God's plans and purposes. And even though the other 90% is mine to, to do with pretty much what I want to, it's amazing how God changes my heart and how I spend the rest of the 90%. It's why God says, you'll be blessed, right? Doesn't mean you're gonna have a lot of stuff, but that he's gonna take care of us, that he's gonna bless us in all kinds of different ways. Now, let me give you an example of this. Nobody freak out, but in my hand, I have 10 $100 bills. And Becky told me when I left home this morning to be very careful with this, because this is our food and eating out money for the month. So I borrowed it. So let's say I have these 10 $100 bills And I'm going to put them out here so you can see them. I'll try to keep them straight. Should have made more room here, right? 
Okay, 10 $100 bills. How much of this is God's? All of it. What does God say is his that we bring back to him? It's $1,000, how much? $100. Which hundred do we bring? The first hundred. So what we don't do, and some of you have done this, I've done this before, right? What do we normally do? Okay, here's my money, this is my paycheck, car. I've seen some of your cars. House, food, ladies, stuff. <laughs> I have some more. You get down to the end, either I don't have enough or I realize, well, you know what I do, so here go God. Is that the principle of the tithe? Is that the principle of the first? That I'm gonna make sure that I have everything covered and then I'm gonna come back and say, God, here's, here's a little bit for you. No, that's what we see, that the first is his. God expects our first. He expects our best, not the leftovers. We, we don't take care of everything and see what's left to God. Hey, we'll give you a little tip, God. Thanks for the good service. The first is his. Now, let me share with you a couple of other things. Just beyond a matter of that giving, tithing is a matter of obedience for the believer. We're called to that. Number one, when we give, it reminds us of God's provision. We're not God. I don't know if you knew that. You're not God. So what happens when you think you have stuff, you think it's yours. But when we give, when we tithe, when we put God first, it reminds us of God's provision, that He is God. Tithing is not our gift to God. It's not us coming in, waving our $100 bill and going, look at what I brought you. No, it's not mine. I'm bringing what is God's back to him to be reinvested in his kingdom work. It's a matter of gratitude. It's thankfulness. God, thank you that you allow me to have this 90% and and to be able to use it for your glory. So it reminds us of God's provision. It reminds us that we're stewards, not owners. It's not your stuff. If it makes you nervous when the church talks about money because you think God wants to take your money, trust me, if God wants to take your money, he can It's not taking away, it's a reminder that we're stewards, we're not owners. Let's just say that that I had to go out of town for six months. I'm gonna be in Europe, I'm I'm going on a mission trip, I'm going over there, I'm not gonna be here, and you're one of my friends, and your car broke down, you don't have a vehicle to drive, so I'm like, hey, how about this? You just take my truck, I'm gonna be gone for the next six months, you take my truck, you use it like it's yours, we're all good. So I go away for six months, you drive around my truck, you're throwing stuff in the bed, you know, just enjoying it, using it, whatever. That's great. And I come back, I'm back from my mission trip and I go over to your house because I need to get my truck back. I knock on your door and you're like, hey, come in, come in, come in, sit down. My wife and I, we want to talk to you. Like, okay, let's talk. And you're like, hey, listen, so we've been praying about it. We want to give you this truck. You mean my truck? Yes. We, we just really, we want to give you this truck. You can't give me something that's already mine. It's my truck. I let you use my truck to be a steward of my truck. I let you borrow my truck. You're not giving me anything. You're bringing me back my keys because it's my truck. 
Now, we laugh at that, we giggle. Isn't that what we do? God, we've been praying about it. We decided to give you some money. And God's going, you mean my money? Yeah. See, we're just stewards. We're not owners. It's not ours. It's all his. It reminds us of that. It allows us to invest his resources into his work through his church. Yeah, there are things like air conditioning and lights that we have to pay for at church. We all enjoy those. But all of the ministries, the baptisms that we're going to say, the mission trips, the kids' ministry, student ministries, the churches that we get to sponsor, all of those things, what do they come out of? People's generosity, investment in God's kingdom, his work through the church. One of the things that, that I hope, I don't know if this will be true, but this is my prayer, that when it's all said and done in my life, that the greatest investment that I've been able to make will be in the kingdom of God. Not in my house, not in my retirement account, not in my investments, not in my vehicles, will be in the church. Because here's what the Bible says. Can't take any of that stuff with you. I want my investment to be in the kingdom of God. I want there to be people in heaven one day because I used the resource that God allowed me to have for his glory. When we tithe, when we bring the first back to God, we get to invest in his kingdom work through the church. And the last reason the tithe I think is so ingenious, which by the way, the tithe is not the ceiling. <laughs> I think the tithe for the believer in the New Testament, a, a, a person that's saved by grace, I think the tithe is the floor. That, that we actually grow in our generosity beyond that. But the tithe puts everyone on the same level. Because if you make a million dollars a year, God bless you, 10%. You make $100,000 a year, 10%. You make $50,000 a year, 10%. You make $100, 10%. You know what 10% of nothing is? Nothing. So if you're like, I'm unemployed, I'm not making any money, what am I supposed to do? Well, 10% of nothing's nothing. I, I remember growing up, we, we had envelopes. I don't know if you remember back in the day, we had envelopes, they'd send to your house, you'd fill them out, and I got like a dollar a week, and you know, I would, I would put my tithe in the envelope, which was 10 cents. Go to church all happy in kids' ministry, hey, I got my, my tithe here, 10%. We don't like, we throw dimes away now, practically. But that was 10%. And it was a principle that my parents were beginning to, to, to teach to me when I was young. That nothing is mine, it's, it's all God's, it's all His. So, so that's, that's why we tie, that's why we bring it to the storehouse, it's putting God first. Now, here's what probably pops in your mind, because it would pop into mine, and it has, and I'll tell you that story in just a minute. Does God expect me to tie to Him if I might not be able to pay my bills? So you're looking at your finances right now. You're going over in your head. You're like, okay, I spend 110%. So you want me to give 10? I spend 110. That's a 20% swing. So you're saying that God wants me to do that, that, that that's smart for me. Now, on the surface, you'd look at that and go, no, of course not. You don't want to do that. That may be what you think is prudent. That may be what I think is prudent. But I go back to God's word. And what does he say? Test me in this. 
See if I won't open the floodgates. If I won't take care of your needs, I, I can share testimony after testimony after testimony. People are like, I took that step of faith and that obedience and it didn't look like we were gonna make it and literally we were down to the last day of the month and this happened and God provided. Again, I'm not saying you're gonna be rich. I'm saying that God says testing in this. I, I remember when, when Becky and I were young, first married and we got married young, broke, don't have any money. I'm interning at a church. I'm making $100 a week. She started her first job and we had run up some credit card debt because like all young couples, we thought we needed to have everything our parents had when we first got married. So we had some credit card debt and it was for us crippling like a lot. And so we didn't know what to do. How are we going to make ends meet? And, and Becky worked at that time for a financial planner, CPA person, Christian. So we're like, well, let's go sit down and talk to them. They'll give us some advice. And we sit down and talk to him. He looks at all of our finances. He's like, okay, yeah, y'all have, y'all have credit card debt and, and you need to do something about that. And he's like, well, you know what? Here's the deal. Matt, you work at the church. You, you've given your life to ministry. Like, you know, you've committed your life to him. And so that's your tithe. So just, you know, y'all give this money, use this money and pay this off. And, you know, Initially, I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I remember Becky and I both, as we left, we're getting in the car, we're driving home. I'm like, I don't, that's not good advice. That, that goes against what I see in God's word. We're just not gonna do that. And Becky agreed like, no, it's, he didn't run up our credit cards. We ran up our credit cards. So we had to make some adjustments. We had to sell a car and get a cheaper car and different things like that. It's not like God just miraculously provided an extra 10%. But he was faithful. He took care of our needs. We paid off our credit cards. 29 years later, he's still taking care of our needs. He's still provided. It's all still his. There, there's a principle that we need to understand. God says, test him in this. Now, let me also say this. If you're like, Matt, that's great. I'm glad you did that. My faith is not there yet. I'm not sure that I can just cold turkey do that. Well, let me challenge you in this. Start somewhere. Here's what I've seen true. I think this principle is true as well. When we move in God's direction, God moves in ours. So if you're like, Matt, I wish my faith was good enough that I could just say, I'm doing it, but I, I can't, okay? Start 2%. Have a plan to move towards obedience. Hey, it might take a year. It might take two years for me to get there, but we're working towards it. We're, we're going to get there. So again, I believe that, that when we move in God's direction, he moves in our direction. Make a plan to be obedient. So we see here the tithe, God's eternal principles of giving that he expects and deserves the first of our income and the first of our lives. And again, I can tell you in my own life, I can tell you in testimony after testimony after testimony over 29 years of ministry uh, of God's faithfulness and seeing people take this step of obedience and how God has used it in their life and blessed them abundantly. At the same time, I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of people who told me I can't afford to tithe and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. God just says he wants to be first. God doesn't need your money. Matter of fact, I, I can guarantee if you wanted it, he could take it. But God does want your heart. 
So when it comes to our resources, when it comes to to tithing, to giving, it's not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. I want to share with you now as we close just a video testimony. I had a great opportunity over the last several years to to walk with this family that you'll recognize through this process of God transforming and changing their hearts and seeing how God's worked and seeing how God continues to work in their life. So let's watch this video together as we see how God moved in this couple. Hey, I'm Chuck. I'm Cheryl. We're the Fosters. We kind of went through a period in our marriage at the beginning when we didn't have a lot of money. We were pretty poor. (laughs) We were pretty poor. I know that when I first started teaching, I taught half a day, made $13,000 a year. And so, and I know right after we got married, you got laid off. Mm -hmm. And so any money we had, we just held on to it because we weren't sure whether we were gonna be able to eat or make any plans or be able to do anything. So a few years back, I really felt God was really tugging at my heart. Like I knew that there was something that I was not doing. I was, wasn't being obedient in a way, and I felt like it was, it was because of my giving. I was not, we were not tithing, and so I went to Cheryl, and, and we talked about it, and she had a really hard time because she's the one that did the bills and saw the, she saw the breakdown of our money, and every time we did it, it did not add up to where we could give, and it took some time, and I really wanted to give, but I also did not want to create animosity between me and my wife, and so I began to really pray that God would do something in her heart. When we started going to Mission City, there was just a change, and I can't explain it, but it's gonna make me cry. That's okay. Just releasing it and not even worrying about it. Just saying, God, it's yours. Because to begin with, it is his. It's not ours. I called Chuck and I said, hey, um, I just need to let you know what I did. Said Mission City has this auto withdrawal, you know, that they can automatically take it out of your account. And so I said, I just went in and I plugged in our 10%. And I said, you just have to be prepared. Yeah, I was driving and I actually had to pull over because, (laughs) man, it was like, the answer to God's prayer that God aligned. Finally, we got became aligned in what we knew all along that God really wanted us to do. And I pulled over that day, and and uh, man, I, I just started crying because I just knew that God had done an amazing work in our heart, and we haven't looked back. And matter of fact, we've been celebrating every time if we get a, a bonus or a raise. We, it's it's more that we get to give, mm-hmm. and that has been the greatest excitement that we've seen. And so for us, it's not just the 10%, it's more because we see the fruits of it that God has provided. Not, it's not just through monies, it's through, I mean, our kids, you know, we've seen our kids just, just blossom and it's like obedience sort of, I hate to use the word paid off, but we, we were obedient and we just got to see God bless us in so many different ways. It's never cost us, felt like it's cost us anything. We felt like we've, we've only been blessed because of it. I've seen God really open my heart to want to dive into His Word more because of us being open-handed and being able to um, accept what He's provided us and given us. You know? And you serve at Next Steps and you've led, you've had your oppor- really first opportunities to lead 
someone to Christ and you're going to get to baptize someone for the very first yep. time. I think this is all a result because of when you're not totally aligned. I mean, you can serve, you can uh, attend church, you can attend life group. But that final thing for us was the giving. Was the giving. And when we did that, it, it changed it changed everything. It's great. So my boys over the years, of course they're older now, I've had an opportunity to be able to, to hopefully model this to them. And a lot of times, especially early on back in the, actually wrote out a physical check days, to be able to fill that out and write that check and talk to them and you know, they'd, they'd get the check, they'd look at it and they're young, they're like, dad, that's a lot of money. And I'm, he's like, why do we give so much money? I was like, it's, it's not ours. And I have the opportunity to explain to them, hey, listen, you know your mom and dad and, and now my boys, we haven't all always been Christ followers. God in his great mercy gave his first, his son, as a sacrifice to redeem us so that we could be saved. And so when we get to write out a check or we get to fill out a line and bring our tithes and offerings to God, it's us saying, God, thank you. Not just for our stuff, but God, just for our blessing, for our salvation. And so I don't ever bring it begrudgingly. It's never, well, you're the church, I have to do it. Man, it's a response to God's goodness and grace and mercy in my life. And let me just encourage you. And I know this is a big thing. It's easy when you start out young, you don't have much maybe sometimes to, to build this in your life. When you're 40, 50 years old and you've accumulated a lot and you spend a lot, you're like, this is a new principle I've never thought about. Man, just take the step. Trust God. Test Him in this. If you're a young couple and you're figuring out life, how are we going to parent? What are we going to do? Man, right now to sit down as a couple and go, okay, we're going to put God first and see how God will work in your life. See how God will bless your life. Again, I'm not talking about finances. I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff and they're miserable. And a lot of people that don't have a lot of stuff, but they put God first and they have the joy of the Lord in their hearts. Again, remember, God's not wanting to take from you. God is wanting to give to you this morning. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for this principle. Lord, you know our hearts. The, the reason you had to talk about money so much in, in scripture is because you know the impediment to our hearts many times is our stuff. That, that we'll give you different areas of our life, but we're holding on to our pocketbook that we, we wanna play God. We're, we think we're a better God than you. We know what we can use our, our resources for. God, I pray that today that there would just be freedom that, Father, some people would take some steps of faith where they just trust you. And, God, they give you the opportunity to show yourself faithful in their life. Lord, I know we have people here this morning that have a lot, but they continue to struggle financially. They're not blessed. God, I, I pray that we would just, not, not just with the tithe, but, God, just with our lives, that we would just live open-handed. God, that it's all yours, however you want to use it, whatever you want to do with it, God. We, we bring it to you. God, it's yours. Lord, I thank you that, 
that you're the kind of God that is not just to do as I say, not as I do, but you actually set the example. You gave the most precious, valuable first that you could give, your son, Jesus Christ. The the pure and spotless lamb, sacrifice to redeem the world. God, you set the example of lavishly and generously giving. And so, Father, we want to follow that example, Lord. Give us freedom in that area in our lives. God, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, that, Father, they would see this morning that there's a gracious, loving God that loves them so much that he sent his son to this earth to die on the cross for their sins, that he was buried and rose again, defeating death so that we could be forgiven and so that we could have life. Lord, we thank you that you're a generous God. We love you. We thank you for first loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.